Philippians chapter 4, let's get started. Before we actually get to the outline, uh, there's a couple of verses that I thought, you know, maybe we could just spend some time on a couple of these verses. Now, the main part of the verse of the of the message, of course, will start with verse four. But notice what the apostle Paul says. Therefore, I was taught a long time ago. When you see the word therefore, you need to look and find out what it's there for. Yeah. You don't have to be a grammarian to go to heaven, but it doesn't hurt to have a little bit of linguistic skill and understand what words mean. Therefore, links together what Paul says here with what he has said before. In other words, because of the promise of the resurrection, if you need to reference it, Philippians 3.21, they have all the more reason to stand fast in the Lord. He says, therefore... My beloved and longed for brethren and sistren, my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, beloved. He uses an ancient Greek word for crown, which describes the crown given to an athlete who has won the race. It's a crown of achievement. And they, the Philippians, as they stand fast in the Lord, are seen by Paul as Paul's trophy. You and I realize that we can only stand fast when we are in the Lord. Any other place is not secure. It's sinking sand. It's shifting sand. You will fall. But stand fast. Now, uh, look at verse 2. I am plead uh, Peodius, and I implored soon touchy. To be of the same mind of the Lord. If you ever wanted to know how to pronounce these dear women's names, let me give them to you again. Peodius, that's something that smells bad. And soon touchy, somebody that's real touchy. Do we need to talk about this this morning in this church? See, uh, Pastor Keith is gone. See, he won't be back. So I get to say some things that he might not be able to say. Peodius, that's the one that smells bad. And soon touchy, that's the one that just got their feelings out on their sleeve. He didn't shake my hand this morning. She didn't smile at me. I don't think we ought to build a building now. I didn't say that, did I? We shouldn't buy air conditioning. The drums are too loud. What else? Apparently, these two women were the source of some quarrel in the church. And the Apostle Paul, instead of taking sides to solve their problem, he simply tells them, be of the same mind. Do you realize that Jesus in me will not criticize the Jesus in you? Y'all can go home now. You won't get any better than that. Do you realize that? So when I criticize you, it ain't the Jesus in me that's criticizing you. It's that part of me that's not Jesus. Isn't that something to remember? Whatever the dispute was about, Peodius and soon touchy had forgotten their common ground is in Christ Jesus. It appalls me how we in the modern day church can be here one week and 
waving our hands and praising the Lord and having a wonderful time in Jesus and then just disappear. See him five weeks later, eight weeks later, 12 weeks later. Well, I just felt led of the Lord. We needed to go. I called my buddy down in Florida that pastors the church of about 1,500 or so. And I said, uh, we talked twice a week over the years. And he let me tell you a story. And he told me about taking all of his staff to the Holy Land as a blessing. Church paid for it all. Got back from the Holy Land, and they were practicing for Saturday night or Friday night for Saturdays and Sundays. My little boy used to call them performances uh, for their church services as they were getting ready for the band and all the stuff, the drama and everything was going on. And he said, I walked by our tech guy. Now, tech guy, please don't pay attention to what I'm about to say. I walked by our tech guy, and it just seemed a bit, a bit uneasy. And I said to him, I'll just call him Brad. Brad, is everything okay? And he said, well, Pastor Rick, if, if you got a moment. Now, you got to remember the guy just came back from the Holy Land the day before on an all-trip paid by the church. <clears throat> and he said, Pastor Rick, uh, my wife and I have been praying, and tomorrow will be our last day here. We just feel like the Lord needs to lead us some other place. And I'm reminded of Soon Touchy and Peodius. You know, as you sit there and you find something that's uneasy and you can't find, find a common ground, at least talk about it and see, is there some solution besides me just saying, well, I don't even say goodbye. I just disappear. And we wonder why folk are uneasy in our churches. Now, that's not part of the main message, but I just saw that right there in those verses, and I wondered, do we need to be reminded of how God wants to work in our life to bring about harmony, to bring about unity, to bring about oneness in the Spirit. Whatever the dispute was about, they forgot that the common ground was Jesus. That's the only reason I'm The only reason I know Jay is because of Jesus. Now, he makes good barbecue. I mean, that's nice. But that's not the reason I know the guy. The only reason I'm related to him is because of Jesus. I have to remember that. That's my bond with him. I mean, Jeff plays a mean guitar. I know his daddy. I really didn't know him. The only reason I know him is because of Jesus. Are y'all listening to this? This is a good little pre-sermon sermon. Don't forget what binds us together, what attaches us together. The bond of attachment is our unity in Jesus Christ. And as that unity is melded and molded by God Almighty, it's amazing what God can do. Historically, we remember there they are in the upper room and they stayed there for, quick, quick, Mark, how long? You're studying that Bible stuff. How long were they in that upper room thing? I asked Mark. Please don't give him the answer. Mark, 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 Mark. Mark, what did she say? Four, four days or 40 days? They were there a long time until they were of the same mind and one accord. And when that took place, what happened? God broke loose. And turn the world upside down, my friend, that can still occur. Now let's listen to the whispers of God. Verse number four. 
Let's pay attention to how we walk now. Paul repeats the theme of the letter. The Philippian letter is about joy. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Rejoice despite the circumstances from which this letter was written or from which your life has lived. Joy. That's all over the Christian. That's all over the letter of the Philippians. Here are some examples of Philippians 1.4, Philippians 1.18, Philippians 1.25, Philippians 2.2, Philippians 2.16, Philippians 2.17, Philippians 2.18, Philippians 2.28, Philippians 3.1, and 4.4. Did he repeat himself because he was getting old? No. He wanted the message to come through, rejoice in the Lord always. Rejoice again in that one safe place to stand in the Lord. Not circumstantial. Not based on sunny optimism. Not based on PMA. I didn't say PMS. You all know what that one is really well. I'm talking about PMA. Positive mental attitude. That's not what this is about, but it's about a confidence that God is in control. Are y'all on that page? God is in control. And with that firm understanding deep in his heart, I am confident of this. There's a lot of talk going on here in the state of Alabama. A lot of talk. Two weeks ago from Friday, we'll all figure it out. Some are more confident than others. And that confidence will shift and go up and down and back and forth. And this news guy will say this and that news lady will say that. And this will be broadcast and this fan will say that. And back and forth we'll go. And our confidences will be shattered on that day. How confident are you? How deeply settled is it? The Apostle Paul says, I know in whom I have believed. It wasn't just a head knowledge that gripped his intellect. But he invented a brand new word, epigenosis, which means a knowledge that pierces the heart and transforms you from the inside out because it now becomes you. It is now your identity. And you walk in a posture of confidence. You walk in a posture of joy. It's who you are. And he says, because God is in control, that confidence is there. There really is joy in the Lord. Rejoice. And again, I say, rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all people. An interesting Greek word here, translated gentleness. Other translations of the Bible will use the word patience, softness, the patient mind, modesty, forbearance, the forbearing spirit. A good example of this quality that came to my mind of let your gentleness be known. I found, I believe it's John chapter 8 where the woman is caught in adultery. Fascinating story. Here she is brought before Jesus by these 
<clears throat> How can I describe it? By these people that were related to me. And he uh, gets down and dawdles in the sand. Now the lady was caught in adultery. You, you just got to imagine what it takes to catch somebody doing that. But that's how important it is for some people to catch you. Some of these Pharisee better than thou kind of people. They go to great lengths, and they did, and they brought this woman before Jesus. And Jesus is confronted with them, and he gets down and he begins to dwaddle in the sand. I'm not sure what he did in the sand other than drew pictures or something, but whatever it was, he asks, makes the statement, you that are without sin, go ahead and throw the first stone. Now, the the law says that if you commit adultery, you're to be stoned to death. And here she is caught in the act of adultery. And now they come to the rabbi and they say, Rabbi, what should we do? And he says, you without sin cast the first stone. I have to confess, the people I've been related to a lot in my life, we carried stones in our pockets. In fact, we, had, we, we, we got some now. I won't let you see them, but they're right here, ready to throw. And the Apostle Paul says, let your gentleness whisper, 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 yeah, this side, whisper, whisper from God. Let your gentleness be known. And there's the gentle Savior, weak, no, 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 strong. Confident, he knew who he was, and he says, you without sin, throw, go ahead, throw the first stone. And one by one, they leave until the only people left is Jesus and the lady. And he says to her, where are all of those who condemn you? She looks around, says they're gone. And Jesus says, neither do I condemn you. Oh, you talk about gentleness. You talk about beauty. You talk about forbearance. You talk about softness. That, my friend, grips the human heart when we realize who we are in Jesus Christ and God whispers to us today, let your gentleness be known. It describes the heart of a person who will let God fight his battles. They know the truth of the scripture that says, vengeance is mine, says the Lord, Romans twelve nineteen. It describes a person who is really free to let go of all of her anxieties and all of the things that causes him stress because he knows the Lord will take up his cause. He knows the Lord. She knows the Lord will take up her cause. I can relax. My confidence is in the Lord. Beauty. To find rejoicing and gentleness. Let it be known to all people, not just the ones we like, not just the ones that we please. Let it be known. And then he includes this little phrase, 
the Lord is at hand. You don't get to hear this often, but do you live and walk with the knowledge of the awareness of the return of Jesus? One of these days, I don't know when it's going to be, I will step off of this platform. I will step out of my teaching responsibilities for the last time. It might be today. I might step out onto the parking lot, get into my wife's Toyota, and drive. And Christ comes back. Are you that aware? If you're that aware, it is a lot easier to let your gentleness be known. It's a lot more natural to let it flow out of your heart because now you realize it's all the more easy to rejoice in the Lord. It's all the more easy to sow gentleness to all people. We know that Jesus is coming. And if you want to look at it this way, He's going to settle the score. So just relax. He'll take care of it. I can trust Him to make things right in our falling apart world. I don't have to fix it. He will. He's on His way. I have that awareness. As the Apostle Paul unpackages this idea that God wants us to hear from Him today, we realize that He says, Rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all people. And then He says, Let's let's look at this thing called a live prayer life. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. Be anxious for nothing. This is a command, not an option. Undue care is an intrusion into God's arena. Undue care intrudes into God's arena. It's as though I want to be the father of the household instead of being the child. Oh, just just let me be the child. Abba Father, just let me be the child and play around and enjoy life and do what I'm supposed to be doing and leave the worry and the care up to the head of the household. Because he's the one anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer. Paul says that everything is the proper subject of prayer. Not some area, everything. Prayer and, and there, there's this word in this NIV, this word in the old King James, but a supplication. It, it's, it's, it's similar, but it's distinct. See, pra- prayer is this very broad word that means my communion with God. But supplication is I'm directly asking God for something specific. So many of our prayers go unanswered because we don't ask God for anything. But God invites us here, let your request be made known. Do you have a prayer list that you go down and pray this God? Now, it's, it's like a child. You can't make up a bad list. I mean, when I was a kid, we had Montgomery Ward catalogs. I, I know that I'm old. And we had a Montgomery Ward catalog, and we started looking at it somewhere about now. And we would go through it and go through it and go through it and go through it. And, and it was worn and tattered and circled and, and written upon. And, and in my brain, I was just creating these lists and lists and lists and lists and lists of things and stuff. And I found so much joy in creating the list and so much pleasure in thinking about it for 30-some days. I, 
what did I get on Christmas Day? I'm not real sure. Some days I got a farm and one day I got a bunch of trucks and, and a bicycle one time and a watch another time, the things I can remember. But making the list and presenting it and asking and talking about it was so much pleasure in our home. And I think that God sort of thinks that way now. Why don't you just come up with stuff for Him to do? Just come up with it. Don't worry about, am I saying it the right way? Am I using the right language? You know, should I ask for this? Just ask. He can say no. That's no big deal. He can say not now. He can say wait a while. He can say, wow, that's pretty good. That's a good list. See, it's that kind of relationship we have with Abba Father. He's our Father. We crawl up in His lap and we just say, here's my request. Here's what I'm thinking. Make it be known. Doesn't God already know somebody wants to know? Well, sure He does. But He likes to hear you talk. You can't say that about anybody else, my friend. Look around you. She loves you. But there's days that she wishes you'd just shut up. He likes you a lot, but there are days, well, can't she just ever be quiet? God says, talk, talk. I love to hear your voice. I love to hear you think. I love to know what's going on. Do you have confidence enough in me to just express yourself to me? Just open yourself to me and let your heart just bubble out and just talk and jabber. Do you remember when you first saw the little baby and it just jabbered and bubbled and jabbered and it was just so cute you just couldn't get enough of it. You tried to draw more out of it and you tickle its little chin. Oh, do it again. Do it again. That's so cute. Giggle again. And you'd, you'd get somebody to come over and watch. Watch this. And you tickle, 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 jiggle. Oh, do you see that tickle? I do it again. That's God. You're the baby. Go ahead and gurgle. Go ahead and blow bubbles. You can't mess it up. That's what he wants you to know today. Do you have that kind of confidence in him? Or he can just express the joy. Let the gentleness flow. Let your request be made known. Paul sticks this in here with thanksgiving. That cautions against whining, complaining. Then he gives us the promise of peace. The peace of God that passes our understanding. There's peace from God. That's nice. There's peace with God. It's awesome. There's the peace of God. It's beyond our mind. Even the most intellectual people, beyond our power of thinking. What is God's peace? Now, they're supposed to have been clicking their way through, but they forgot the clicker. But if they would get to the Spurgeon quote, you got to get it. What is God's peace? It's the unruffled serenity of an infinitely happy God. The eternal composure of the absolutely well-contented God. That's the peace of God I have. It's the peace that passes all understanding. It's not that it's senseless and therefore impossible to understand, but it's beyond our ability to understand and explain. Therefore, it has to be experienced. 
It's not just the head knowledge that you have in your brain, but it has to be experienced in your soul. It's something that's mine. And it doesn't just surpass the understanding of the worldly man. It surpasses all understanding. Even the most godly woman cannot comprehend this peace. And God says it will garrison and guard and protect your heart and mind. It speaks of a military action. The peace of God guards over our heart and mind. It's when people often seem to lose their heart or lose their mind. It's often related to the absence of peace. I often say that the opposite of joy is hopelessness. There's times when you feel that way. You'll go through something that feels hopeless. Let the peace of God guard your heart and mind. Then the Apostle Paul comes down and says, here's where you need to put your mind. Finally, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, lovely, of good report, if there's any virtue, if there's any praiseworthy, meditate on these things. And that would take half the stuff that you and I even talk about off the table. It's gone. Half the stuff we discuss, boom, gone. I'm not sure about what you think about. But you recognize that wherever your mind is focused is what your heart will begin to experience. Paul's list of things that we should meditate translates very well into the English words. Just look at these things. Much of the walk of the Christian comes down to the mind, comes down to that inner dwelling of our mind. Romans 12, 2 speaks about the essential place of being transformed by the renewing of our mind. 2 Corinthians 10.5 talks about the casting down of arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. That tells us that what I meditate on, what I think about, matters. God's whispering to you today, you want to practice this? You want to walk like this every day? Here's what has to take place. Rejoice. Have confidence in me. Let your gentleness be known to everyone. Be anxious for nothing. Have a live prayer life that just doesn't pray in generalities, but prays with focused requests and supplication. Let them be known to God Almighty. And here's where your mind must be. Be focused here. Very practical when he says, bring every thought into captivity. And he says, all the things that you've learned and heard, put them into practice. Practice. Yes, I know. Practice. It's just practice. That's all this life is. That's all this life is. It's practice. So I want to close with something that's not in my notes. I call it a theology of joy. Six quick little points about a theology of joy. First, joy is a gift of God. David declared, you put gladness in my heart. Second, God grants joy to those who believe the gospel. The angel says, do not be afraid. Behold, I bring you good news of great joy. Jesus told the disciples, these things I've spoken to you, that my joy may be in you full and complete. Number three, 
joy is produced by the Holy Spirit. Paul says, the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking. I like that, but that's not the kingdom of God. It's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Four, joy is fully experienced by believers who receive and obey God's word. The prophet Jeremiah said, your words were found. I ate them. Your words became a joy and a delight of my heart. First John 1, 4, John writes and says, I want your joy to be made complete. Number five, big lesson. A believer's joy is deepened through the trials of life. I don't necessarily like that, but that's the way life is. It's deepened through the trials of life. The full reality of joy is contrasted with sadness and sorrow and difficulties and rises above those. And then last of all, a believer's joy is made complete when they set their hope on life everlasting. Two things last forever, my friend. The person sitting next to you in God's Word, I want to invest in both because I'm headed for a place that will never end. Coming away from the office of the day, I'm trying to think of a song. I sang it to Jeff. He hung up the telephone. No, he didn't. We spent 10 minutes trying to come up with this old song. It's tragic in my brain to think of a song that's eight years old as old. But this is an old song that we're going to close with this morning. And it talks about this joy and laying down my sorrows and rejoicing because you've heard the whisper of God on how to live in this present life. Let's stand and sing.